Thank you for listening to the Family Life Podcast. For more great content, visit thefamilylife.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message and will be encouraged to share it with someone you know. The book of Job, the 38th chapter, and then we will move to the 36th chapter of the book of Job. Now, today as you walk with me in the word for the next few moments, um, I'm coming to the pulpit today to remind someone of where you are, where you've been, Lord willing, where you will be, and ultimately to see the hand and the presence of God that has been, that is, and will be at work. Amen. Um, sometimes we lose sight of that simple truth of the sovereign presence of God that is always with us and that is always at work. Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds? That abundance of waters may cover thee. Now Job 36, the 27th and the 28th verse. For he maketh small the drops of water and they pour down, they pour down rain according to the vapor thereof, which the clouds do drop and distill abundantly upon man, abundantly. Amen. Now, for the next few moments, walk with me in the word. He maketh small the drops of water. He maketh small the drops of water. Father, I love you. I love your word. I am saved by it yet again today. I'm reminded of it, Lord. I find hope in it. I find strength in it. I find love in it. I find life in it. And I pray that someone else would see it today and understand it. And this one person even, Lord, if it would be that in this place that needs to hear this and know this and and recognize your sovereignty and, and your hand at work and your saving work. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and speak expressly and deal with my heart, deal with all our hearts. God, I'm praying and asking that this place would be filled to capacity with your glory and that, God, our hearts would be tender and responsive. And Lord, we would see you and we would know you in a greater way today and we might serve you and we might be saved. And I thank you, Lord, for that. And so, Lord, I pray, anoint this people and anoint me and thank you, God, for your anointed word and be glorified in it and through it and because of it, God. And we trust you. In Jesus' name, let the church agree with me. Amen. 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 Say it again. Amen. Amen. Let the church say amen. 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 Now be sweet to somebody nearby you. Love on them. Tell them how much they mean to you. And, and uh, force yourself. Oh, sweet wonder. Oh, sweet wonder, Jesus, the Son of God, how I love him, how I adore him, Jesus, the Son of God, sing it with me, oh, sweet wonder, Oh, sweet wonder, Jesus, the Son of God, how I love him, 
How I adore Him, Jesus, the Son of God. One more time. Oh, sweet wonder. Oh, sweet wonder. Jesus, the Son of God. How I love Him. How I adore Him. Jesus, the Son of God. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. It was in the limitless, loving mind of God the day and night would follow after the other. The sun would rise and set. The night follow in its course. The moon, the stars, all shining in their place. And again, the morning would come. And the sun would rise and another day would find its place. Um, it happened more times than than we can count more times than we can even remember in our lifetimes. Day, then night, weeks, months, years, seasons coming, seasons going. Without you and I, without you and I even sensing their subtle changes. Yet in the moments that they are, they can so often be misunderstood. Those days, those nights, those seasons, those storms, those clouds. Uh, all the elements. They can be so misunderstood in the moment. Unwanted, uncomfortable, but nonetheless necessary. For each day, each year, every season has its purpose to bring us to where we are and, and ultimately who we are supposed to be. You understand that? The dark days, as well as the bright, each have their intended order in our life. We may not sense it in the season that we are in or even appreciate it. When a storm is intense in our life, we may not, we not, may not welcome it. But when we live for God, when we live for God, nothing is outside of his influence for us. So, so it was with Paul. Um, the nameless thorn. Now, now, I'm not going to read the whole Bible, but I'm going to read a, I'm going to read a chunk of it today, so walk with me. The nameless thorn that he, that he sought God to remove from his life three times became the thing that made him ultimately trust God more. Look, if you would. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I, will I rather glory. Everybody say Glory. Will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me? Yes. Gladly, gladly. He, he would endure the infirmity. Come on. He, uh, he would live with the thorn, deal with the pain, take the dark days so that God would be glorified and his power would ultimately rest upon him. Do you understand that? At that particular point in this place in the word with the thorn in the flesh, there could not be one without the other. There was the necessity of the two to bring the balance of, of yeah. flesh and spirit and, and, and the power and the presence of God in pain. Right. Mm. Yeah. 
No doubt there were days that were more dreaded and difficult than others and whatever the problem was, the nameless thorn, it was nameless. It was nameless so you could name it in your life. Do you understand that? Do we see that in the word? There was never a name put on it. There was just that nameless thorn in, in the existence of Paul so that you and I could find ourselves fitting into the word that we could read between the lines, if you would, and find our life needing the grace of God that would ultimately be sufficient. We'd gladly endure the infirmity. No doubt there were days that were more dreaded and difficult than others. Whatever the problem was, there is no question that it was present. Paul let it be known. But the greater good was found to be in the fact that God was in control. Um, That even in the presence of the pain, the presence of God was greater. Uh, He could not control it. Paul did not have the power to remove it. He, He could not change its presence. But he could trust in the one who was greater than, than the pain. Yeah. He could choose to let it be the thing that made him better and not bitter. Yeah. Um, each one of us this day in this place uh, deal with days and seasons in our life, uninvited instances that come to us and sometimes send us reeling, staggering in our steps and, and wondering, looking back, what just happened? How did I get here? Why did I get here? Wondering why, trying to get a grasp on where it came from and and where it's ultimately leading. And we, like Paul, we petition God. We ask him for an answer, seeking some sort of meaning, some sort of grasp, and yet the pain remains. It stays there. It does not go away. For the seasons carry on. Another day follows another day, another sunrise, another sunset, a moon, a stars, a season, a storm, a good day, a bad day. Because of this, understand, only in the presence of pain or problem is the sufficiency of grace more understood and accepted. Uh, Only in the presence of my pain, only in the presence of your problems, only in the presence of the things that that are misunderstood can there be a grace that is more understood. That's why he said that he gives us peace. Everybody with me say this. Uh, That's why he gives us peace that passes understanding because there must be something uh, that is misunderstood for me to finally arrive at the place that there is peace that passes understanding. I have to come to that place of of difficulty. Uh, If life were only bright days with no change or challenges, then I would have no need of grace. If there were no seasons or storms that you and I would have to endure, then we would never know what it is to be weak so that he could show himself strong for us. If I never had that, if I never was that, if you're never like that, then we would never know him in that way. We would never trust in him. We would ultimately lean to our own understanding. We would ultimately deal with it in our own way. We trust in our ability or intellect. If we had our say, we would command the clouds, wouldn't we? Yes, we would. We would command the clouds. We would say when it would rain and when it would shine. If we, had, if we had the authority, if we had the power, if we had the say, that would be our words. That's what we would do. We would pick our problems and the size of them. We would say what would and would not be. But if we could do that, then we would never see and understand the saving of the Savior. If I could command the cloud in my life, I would never understand him or grasp him to be my Savior. I would never see the saving that is at work in my life. And I want to remind you, come on, somebody hear me right now. The work of salvation is not a one-time encounter at an altar or even the position on a pew for decades. But it is the work and the grace of God that is continual, that reminds us that he is greater and he is good and he is working. 
Uh, we would never see him if we could control the clouds and command them. We would only choose what we could control, only what this flesh wanted and not see what the spirit needs. For we are the product, understand this, we are the product. You and I, you are the product of days and nights of our life. We are the result of seasons and storms blended with the bright sunny days that were easy and without effort. Look at this, if you would. To everything, everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under, uh, un, under the heaven. Everything. If we believe in God, then we believe that everything. Everybody say everything. everything. If we believe in God, then we believe that everything about God is about us. We believe that, that the hidden things of God that we cannot see, the things that we cannot understand, still yet it is for us. That he exists to save us. Amen. Because we were created in his image. He loved us that much. And so uh, everything, everything, everything is in the hand of God. That everything, every time under heaven, it's leading us to eternity. It has a purpose. It has a plan. It's all a part of the orchestration of the spirit. Everybody still with me? Say amen. If we think anything less than we are diminishing his sovereign hand at work in our life. If we think that somehow that God is not in control, that he's detached or his arm is shortened or that his ear is heavy, that it cannot hear and his eye is dim, then we have diminished him from being God, from being sovereign to being more like us and just uh, limited in his capacity. But he is limitless today. Yeah. Your life is the result of trusting him in the difficult days. Everybody hear that? You're sitting here today. You're in this place today. Why? Well, you may not have seen it in the storm because it is difficult to see faith at work when you are in the storm. But when you find yourself on the other side of it, uh, you can understand that your life is the result of trusting him in the difficult days. Yes. It's the work in progress of each season leading you to be more like him, to be more saved. That storm that you thought would be the end of you, that was just God aligned wind and rain to help you trust him yes. and to help you grow and to help, yes. you, help you be more. Mm. Job had found himself in a place that presented more questions than, than answers. You know the story. The magnitude of his loss cannot, to this day, be completely calculated. Sons and daughters and possessions and homes and, and livestock and even his own personal physical pain. It can't be calculated. We can't, we can't put it in, into words. We can't really understand it in our emotions or our feelings. How many days he had to go through it all is not fully known, but no matter how long it was, it must have felt like a lifetime. Hmm. And at the end of all the talk of his friends and his own attempt to understand it, it was there and then that God began to answer Job in the form of questions. And it was there in the 34th verse that God said something profound. Let's read it again, if you would. Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of waters may cover thee? Now this is God speaking to Job at the end of his calamity, after his friends had spoken, his so-called friends, after Job had spoken, and so God begins to ask him the questions in regards to his greatness, his own greatness, his own authority. Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, Job, that abundance of waters may cover, cover you? Job, Job, can, can you command the clouds? Can you say when they should be there or not? This is God speaking. Job, can you, can you decide when it's, gonna, when it's gonna be sunny or when it's gonna be a cloudy day? Can you do that? Do you, know, do you know where the clouds should be? Do you know where they should be placed in the sky and when they should be placed in the sky? God wasn't trying to be uh, callous. He wasn't trying, to be, wasn't trying to be mean, if you would. But he was demanding an answer to the understanding of his sovereignty at work. Can you tell me when to gather or when to disperse them, Job? Can you tell, can you tell them when they should rain or when they should not? The answer 
The answer was obvious. We don't see all there is to see. None of us, nobody, man in the pulpit, everybody in the pew. We don't see all there is to see. We don't know all that there is to know. Uh, We have been asked by God to walk by faith and not by sight, to trust in the fact that we, in fact, cannot control clouds. Try as we might, we just can't do it. That no amount of good or goodness on our part, no amount of uh, intelligence or intellect, no possession or power that, that we have can make the sunrise tomorrow. We just can't do it. It's not in our, not in our control. That night following day or season following season, good days or bad are not in our control, but rather they are in his. Look at this word. I am the Lord. Need everybody to hear this today. If you don't hear much else, I need you to hear these next few scriptures. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee though thou hast not known me. I was the one doing it, even though you didn't know it. I was the one taking care of you, even though you thought you were taking care of yourself. That's what he's saying here. I girded you and you didn't even know I was doing it. Hmm. That they may, that they may know from the rising of the sun, from every day to every night, and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil or turmoil. I, I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, ye heavens, rain, rain. Drop down, uh, drop down, ye heavens, from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe unto him, woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd or, or the vessel, the clay vessel, uh, uh, strive with the clay vessels of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, what makest thou or, or thy work? He hath no hands. God declared, who is he? He, he is the Lord. There's, there's none else. There is no God beside him. In a world and a time that is often at odds with all that is right and all that is spiritual, that statement may seem unimportant. But can I tell you, it is not. There is no God beside him. It may seem old hat to you and I, a worn out phrase that we have heard all of our lives in churches, on pews and service after service, but it is desperately important to remember this day that he alone is God. For after declaring who he is and his glory and power and all that he controls, he warns, look at this, he warns at the end of the statement there. He warns, woe to him that strives with his maker. It's one thing, it's one thing for the potsherd or the, the vessel of clay to strive with another vessel of clay, but it's another thing to strive with God. It's one thing for you to get mad at me and me to get mad at you, but it's an entirely different thing to get mad at God. I need everybody to hear this today. It's one thing for you to be upset about this world and all the things going on in it, but it's an entirely different matter to put yourself on the other side of God, contrary. Uh, Will the clay say to the potter who made it? That's what he was saying here. Will Will the clay say to the potter who made it? In other words, what in the world are you doing, God? Why are you making me this way? Why are you making me go through this? Why do I feel this way? Why do I have to deal with that, God? The work of the vessel say, he has no hand in my life. That's what this last part was saying. The vessel, the work will say, well, God doesn't really have a hand in it or God's not doing it. No, no, no. Come on, don't put yourself in that place. Don't put yourself on the other side of God, uh, be contrary with him and and not recognize the sovereign hand of, of God at work in your life. It's a terrible thing 
It's a terrible thing to place ourselves on the wrong side of God, to think that we know better than him and to omit his omniscience and his omnipotence out of our life. To somehow put ourselves in a place to think that we can figure this out and we know better than him and we can do it and we can get it right. No, 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 we can never do that. We are asked to trust that his grace is sufficient that to accept that we are weak. Come on, everybody in this place, men sitting in the pew today, there comes a point that you have to accept the fact in your life that you are weak and that you need the grace and the goodness of God to sustain you. And ladies, in a world that tries to cause you confusion, can I remind you that there is nothing wrong with trusting in the sovereign authority of God for your life to know who you are and who God ordained you to be. Because the world wants to confuse us and the world wants to try to change the, uh, the, 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 the direction and all the, the parameters of our life. But can I tell you, there's something about putting yourself under the authority of God and knowing that he is working all things together for your good, that he is not absent from you. Come on. Hmm. We're asked to trust in that grace that is sufficient. Just to accept that I'm weak, but he is strong. To believe that there is purpose in the plan, that there's purpose in the pain, that there's purpose in every sunny day, there's purpose in every dark day, that there's good intended for us from Jesus, even when it seems bad, because it's him who commands the cloud. I've come to this pulpit today just to simply remind somebody of that, that God is not absent in your life where you have been, where you are, and willing, should he be willing, where you will be that he has always been there. That every step, every, everything has, has been orchestrated to lead you to this moment. You're not in this place today by happenstance or chance. It's not by mere coincidence, but the trace that we find ourselves on the pew Sunday after Sunday. My life is not, is, can I say it this way? My life, your life is not that unimportant in the sight of God. It's, it's much more important than that. I have to believe that, that somewhere along the way that you may not have sensed it or seen it, but somehow the, the goodness of God was, was just moving you and leading you and nudging you and directing you every step and every storm and every season to bring you to this place to, to understand that he loves you that much, that much to save you. For he make us small, look at this. For he make us small the drops of water and they pour down rain according to the vapor thereof which the clouds do drop and distill, distill abundantly upon man abundantly. Somewhere, um, I was thinking about this the other day, so I thought I'd look it up. I was driving down the road, looking at the clouds. Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever look at clouds intentionally to see if you can see some image in the clouds? I'm not looking for Jesus or anything in the clouds. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, like a bunny rabbit or a, or, or a turtle or a loaf of bread. I don't know. Ribeye. Come on, walk with me for a minute. Um, and I do that every now and then. Somewhere, someone much smarter than me, especially at math, and I'm not very good at math. God knew he couldn't make me good at math. He just knew there's just some things you just got to accept. I'm not good at math. Somewhere, someone came to the conclusion that the average cloud that you see in the sky, just a cloud now, weighs around 1.1 million pounds. 
The cloud that you see, now I doubt it on today, it's probably much heavier out there today. Just the average cloud contains 1.1 million pounds of water. Now how they came up with that figure and how they went about it, musicians if you would, it's beyond me. And really when it comes down to it all, it's beyond even them and everyone. But not God. For no matter how they measure it, try to contain it or control it or even create it. It is only God who can make small the drops of water and make them pour down at just the right time in just the right way at just the right place. 1.1 million pound of water cloud. Only God can take that and make small drops of water. He who commands the cloud makes them drop and distill. In other words, uh, not pour down all at once. He distills the water. And, and he allows it to rain on you and I abundantly. Drops, somebody hear me right now? Drops in the days that we live our life to sustain us. Just one drop here, a few drops there. Taking that cloud that seems to be misunderstood or that thing that we don't, under, that we don't understand completely or we re- really don't even want, but somehow he takes it, that the weight that it is, the weight that it is, and he distills it and he drops it on us at just the right time and just the right place and just the right way to make us live. He doesn't drop the entire weight of the matter on us all at once. You get that? He doesn't just, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't make the cloud just become a weight. He doesn't allow it. He doesn't, he holds it back. He restrains it. He tethers it. He pulls it back and, and he allows us to be sustained, to breathe through it in the moment that, that we, we may think we're going to die, but he's, but he's holding it back and letting the rain be just what it needs to be at the moment that it needs to be that so that we can live another day. So that you can walk in here on a, on a Sunday the 11th and that you can re- be reminded that, that even though you don't see him and you didn't see him and you don't know him and you don't know how he's doing it, you don't know why he's doing it or what he's doing, but he's making you live. He's distilling, he's making small drops of water just all around you, just, just so you can live another day, so that you can breathe yet again, so that you can ultimately be saved. He who commands the clouds makes them small drops of water. He doesn't drop the entirety of on, it, on, it, of it, on us all at once, but rather when we need it, in the season that we need it. On a day, when we, on a day, on a day. Do you understand this? There have been dry days in my life that I did not know if I could be sustained. But, but suddenly, out of, out of nowhere, there was, a, there, was a, there was a cloud that came and, and I was made to live again. Uh, that through the sin of water, through the sin of water, the word says, it shall live again. And a night when it seems dark that he saves us by his grace. Even though I have prayed the prayer countless times and asked God to change it, asked God for it to be different, I have found that every time his grace is sufficient for me, that in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. So gladly I'll endure it. Gladly I'll go through the storm. Gladly I'll go through the season that the power of Christ may rest upon me and he might be glorified. Can I remind somebody that our life is the sum of small drops of water that were ordered and ordained in the right seasons just to save us. That's the sum of your life. Every cloud commanded by God has led you to where you are right now, sustaining you, and most importantly, 
saving you. Come on, someone pray with me. God, I am not here by chance today. Nobody's here by chance today. It's, it, it was your divine will long before I even knew that you had a divine will for me. God, that you were just orchestrating my steps and ordering them, Lord, to bring me here. Come on, everybody in this house. Come on, friend. Come repent of your sins. Come be baptized in Jesus' name. Come be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come bring your life back to God. Be reminded today that the sovereign God is at work, that he's seen you before you ever got here this morning, that he called your name. He spoke your name out in the eternities and, and all heaven took attention because that's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares. But the goodness of God is at work in this house for you. Come on, friend. Bring your life here. Bring your heart here. Bring your home here. All the brokenness that it might be, all the chaos, all the calamity, he's so much greater.